Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. With over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Julia Scalise. And we're going to be talking about Do One Thing, her book, her new book. It's about feeling better and living better, very simply. Wonderful, simple, small book with very easy-to-read chapters that will really be very prevalent to your life at the time that you need it. Now, I'm always saying don't have a manual to live your life. You know, your life is taken one step at a time and get out there and live it. But it's good to have tools in your kit. And this is a wonderful tool because it's a really great guidance. You know, you need a compass on that path, don't you? You want to know that you're actually staying in at least the right direction. Um, But it's just not having a step-by-step manual. It's a guide. It's a tool. It's something that can keep you on track. It's something that can help you understand where you are at the moment. And it's something that kind of is like having a friend in your ear to help you at times where it's like, oh gosh, where am I going now? So do one thing, feel better and live better. 31 Easy Steps to Improve Your Physical, Emotional, Mental and Spiritual Vitality is one of those books that you can carry around with you that can help you along your way. And I asked Julia just now how, why she wrote this book and why it was important. And we're going to share that with you. Um, And why we actually need these tools. Because we're bombarded with information today and sometimes it's just too much overload. And simplicity is something that helps us really understand what it is that we love to do, what we want to do and how to get there faster. So who is Julia? Well, let's find that journey out too. And why um, are her services to her clients so very important to her? Um, Let's find that out as well. We're going to take a wonderful journey here today. Strap in, folks. Take notes. And here we go. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you, Sarah, very much for the invitation and this opportunity to share my message. And I also want to thank our colleague, Norma Bernson, for making this connection for us. I'm uh, really happy to share my message with your listeners. Yeah, and Norma is coming on soon, and yes, she's another dynamo woman who uh, literally is heart first. Um, yes. <coughs> heart and passion and conviction, which is wonderful. And um, I can see that, you know, with what you're doing here, too. You know, I asked you why. You know, at first I said, well done for doing a nice, short, simple, very concise, easy-to-read book. And um, you were telling me why you wanted to do it in that way. So let's share that with first with the audience of why it was important to write this book and write write it in this way. Well, it was important to write it because as I worked with my clients over the years, a lot of information would be exchanged during our consultation sessions. And my clients would say, I can never remember everything that you tell me in conversation. I would like to share this information with either a family member or a friend. And they jokingly would encourage me, you should write a book, you should write a book, and I would say, yeah, you know, one of these days I will. Um, Obviously, I did write the book. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other reasons why I wrote it in the format that I did uh, was because I knew that, you know, people are very overwhelmed uh, with time, and a lot of times it's very difficult to commit a time period to reading something, focusing on something for a long period of time, and then actually getting any benefit from it. So, The way I broke the uh, chapters up 
It's a specific tip that can be beneficial for someone. Um, it's a short synopsis of why it's effective and then also ways to incorporate it in their life. And the reason why I sort of broke it up into physical tips, emotional, mental, and spiritual is because some people have a better handle on certain aspects of their life, um, but they need guidance in other areas and don't even think about some of the other things that might be impeding them from feeling their best and living their best life. And again, the, uh, the tips themselves, only because I know many people in this day and age, uh, financially they're strapped, so each of these tips, for the most part, are either completely cost-free or very low cost, but very easy to implement, maintain, and keep in their wellness program going forward for the rest of their life. Yeah, and then just to let people know where you're coming from, you're um, on the board of a certified member of the American Association of Drugless Practitioners and American Association of uh, Nutritional Consultants and of Health uh, Association and Certified Psychology Regulating Medical Practitioner. So you are about finding those solutions that aren't running to the uh, drug cabinet. Exactly, exactly. And there are plenty of them, aren't there? I mean, your chapter starts off with a very, very simple one, water. It is absolutely amazing today. You know, you think... Uh, Everybody just used to drink water and cherish the water because they didn't have anything else. Okay, maybe they drank the wine or the beer um, as well. But, it, you know, water was the main beverage. And now people, it's coffee, Coke, um, or everything else but water. But our body needs water desperately, doesn't it? And very often is simply the solution to what ails you. Exactly. Um, a lot of people don't understand that just because they may be consuming fluid, they think that they're hydrating their system, and sometimes they're not. There are some beverages that actually are uh, contributing to dehydration. Um, if they have excess caffeine, um, those types of, of beverages can really actually dehydrate you. But what people don't understand as far as water is, you know, body is 70% water. Uh, it's needed to carry nutrients into our cells, flush toxins out. Um, it helps with our skin, keeps our skin moist and hydrated, keeps our joints hydrated. A lot of people that have uh, chronic back issues, when someone has a back injury or they do something and they hurt their back, they'll call and they'll say, what can I do? And I'll say, drink a couple of glasses of water because sometimes just sufficient hydration can sort of help with those uh, discs, the disc cushions, and, um, you know, again, it has a lot of physiological benefit that people really don't give it credit for, but they just think if I'm drinking a lot of fluid all day, I'm getting all the water that I need, and that's not always the case. Right. And, uh, you know, we also have to bear in mind sometimes that even the water we're drinking may, you know, may have been stripped down. Um, and, but, you know, getting up in the morning and starting your, your day off with a glass of lemon water is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? Because it detoxifies yes, your body. It detoxifies the body. Yes, it helps with the hydration, and a little bit of lemon actually helps your liver to work um, slightly better, for the most part, unless somebody has a sensitivity to lemon. But um, it's a wonderful beverage to start your day off with, especially if it's room temperature. It's a lot better on the system. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, every day I start off with a glass of water, and I just it's almost you feel like it's waking up the organs. Yes, yes. 
and uh, you know we forget that um, you know we are water you know how much of our body is water and and uh, you know it, we obviously need to keep it hydrated because you know it become a little bit like the tin man don't we you know without our oil you know we can't move absolutely <laughs> absolutely the rule of thumb is if someone isn't sure how much they should be drinking is to take their body weight uh Divide it by 2.2, or if you just want to make it a lot easier, divide it by 2, and that number is the number of ounces that's the most appropriate for someone on a regular basis. If someone's fluid-restricted, of course, they have to be careful, and if someone is uh, working outside in the middle of August in the heat, they might need a little bit more if they're running a marathon in the heat. But again, it's the, it's the body weight divided by two, and roughly that number of ounces is the most appropriate amount for, for each individual. Right. And, um, you know, it's a simple thing, right? It's in the tap. Yes. So, Very you know, simple. you know, um, you don't need any um, care, you know, pharmacy for that. It's, uh, it's right there for you. Now, you exactly. know, your, sec- your second chapter is talking about earthing. And, you know, we talk about this a lot in, show- in, um, in uh, shows. And, you know, the simple act of taking the socks and shoes off and the feet on the earth and and how it um, you know really kind of gets your information it grounds you um it helps you center in yourself so uh, tell us a little more on the earthing well um earthing again as you said is is basically us reconnecting with the earth's uh, electromagnetic frequency whether you're walking on a beach whether you're wa- you know sitting in your backyard with just your feet on the grass there's the exchange of electrons where the body can sort of get its energy and uh, biorhythm back in balance. And there's a lot of benefits uh, that have been studied by some of the geophysicists, uh, electrophysiologists, um, as far as different health issues. A lot of people, when they started to reconnect to the earth, they noticed that their mood is improved. Uh, their sleep is improved. Uh, sometimes it can decrease inflammation, um, improve feelings with chronic pain, and it's an experience that's really beneficial to all of us. We we don't get that exposure as much as we used to. Many people are working in concrete buildings. There, you know, everybody is walking around on concrete pavements, and like you said, you know, shoes and socks. We're not roaming around barefoot outside, sleeping on the ground, etc. So. In order to kind of reconnect with the earth and that electromagnetic energy, we have to have our bare feet on the ground. And if you're in a little bit of water, um, especially if you're walking along the uh, shoreline, lakes, rivers, beaches, um, if the grass has just been uh, watered, the conductivity is a little bit better. Um, But, you know, it's a very, very, very beneficial um, experience. In fact, there are... Uh, companies now that actually sell products, sleeping mats, uh, sheets that have that electromagnetic frequency to sort of recharge our batteries uh, while we're sleeping at night, which I think is really fascinating too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, I heard also for for many many people um, that um, grounding also is a great way of reducing fear. Um, because it it helps you you ground and center where a lot of the time if you're kind of quote flapping around you know you're in the fear zone and so it helps a lot with kind of releasing that fear um i have never heard 
that. So that's I've learned a new piece of information, and I appreciate that, and, and it's it's beneficial for that too. Great, because in this day and age, there's a lot of fear uh, yeah. and a lot of phobia going on. Except for people like me, um, in in the sense that um, I have discovered with uh, uh, a, a bunch of um, energy readers that I always wondered why when I put my feet on the ground. Um, you know, I had an adverse reaction and I couldn't understand why because everybody's saying grounding, grounding, grounding. And uh, I discovered that I actually have the energy uh, of a plant, of a tree. And I actually receive my energy kind of through my branches and then, because I'm a very spiritual person, and then it goes through the tree out into the roots and into the ground and, um, you know, up the other trees. Um, So I have a, um, I am fine to walk barefoot in water but I can't walk barefoot on the ground. And I never could understand why. And of course, you know, I'm just one of those freaks of nature. (laughs) (laughs) But interesting that you were able to discern that for yourself and uh, understand why that happens for you specifically. Yes, yes. And, you know, still very much of an advocate and recommend earthing to other people because there aren't too many of us around that are, you know, are... are, um, vegetable energy as opposed to <laughs> infinity. Um, but you know it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it's good to kind of understand when you tap into your energies which you do when you ground don't you you tap into your frequencies you can actually feel you know that uh, magnetic frequency going through your body and I find you know for a lot of people for me being in water or you know just completely tapping into my particular energy it's stabilizing so yeah. it's you know, I can imagine, you know, when people do talk, talk about grounding, how stabilizing they feel from it. it. Like, you know, it's not just being grounded, it's that they feel stable in their grounding. Yes. In fact, like I said, for many years, I never understood. I've always been attracted to the water. I actually live on the Jersey coast, uh, in New Jersey. I'm in the United States, for your listeners. And I'm on the East Coast, and I would always feel very um, calm and very rejuvenated whenever I would spend time at the beach, and I always walked on the beach, and it's one of my favorite things to Mm -hmm. do. But I didn't understand why I always felt so much better. And in retrospect, after many years, I find out that that's part of what's been going on for me, and I know so many people that gravitate towards, they can't wait to do that beach or shore or island thing because they always feel so wonderful. Yes, they're on vacation, they're relaxing. But I think part of it is, again, those bare toes in the sand and getting getting all that Earth's energy uh, rebounding back for them. It's also paying attention, isn't it, to what it is that speaks to you. I mean, some people are joggers, some people are mountain climbers, some people are cyclists, um, you know, and uh, some people, you know, they've got to be in water. I know that when I'm in a lake or in the ocean, uh, I'm the energy, uh, just it's like me being fueled up and getting a, a tune-up and everything all at once because the water yeah. really does speak to me. And if you find that there is one thing that really does speak to you, there's something that you really are drawn to, then it's clearly what you, what you need and do more of it. Exactly. Again, that's one of the reasons why I've given so many different tips in this book because some things are going to resonate with some people more than others. Some people are going to be more out of balance in certain areas and within those areas in certain ways. And I've always been a proponent of, I don't believe that health and well-being is a cookie-cutter type of uh, Mm. experience or industry. 
it's a unique experience to every individual, and I joke around, but I call it the Goldilocks principle with, with my clients. We want our porridge not to be too hot, and we don't <laughs> want our porridge to be too cold. We have to find that sweet spot for ourselves, that middle ground of balance. So when there are things that are available to us that are not harmful, um, that we're not spending you know, a lot of money maybe pursuing, we try something. How do I feel? What is my response with this? And that's why even with the book, I've given 31 tips in that someone can pick something every day for a month if they're calendar type one thing a day type people mm-hmm. pick one thing and run with it but the the reason was try this one thing and at the end of this day if you have done this assess how you feel what was your response do you feel better do you feel healthier do you feel happier do you feel less stressed and if something that works for you then continue to do it as you can within your lifestyle and your preferences or revisit it every once in a while if it's something that's not feasible to do every single day but yeah we have to find this works for me this makes me feel better and then I'm going to continue doing this because it does you know there's another thing to your book which I, I this is the kind of book I like it's like I know I need a message today and I don't know what it is and just l- open the book to whatever chapter it comes to and that's the message you know it could be yeah you need more water or you need to ground or in this next chapter affection hey man I need a hug I need a little affection and that's going to give me what I need to fuel me up for the day but I find that just sometimes going to a book and just opening what do I need and there you are and the, very often this as simple as the answer is right Right. And, you know, again, I, I, most of my clients, myself, I keep my book on my nightstand. And occasionally I just open it up to a certain page because I try to maintain as many of these as possible, obviously. But sometimes things fall along the wayside for me and I need little reminders. And, um, you know, it, it, it is a great little guidebook too. just sort of open up when you get up in the morning and this is my focus for the day. Um, and if it happens to fall on affection, absolutely get out there and, you know, get a hug from somebody. Um, or give or a hug. Share I mean, affection with someone else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because you get just as much back from giving a hug. And you know, if it if there isn't a human around, find a pet. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes it could be a stuffy. You know, it's just kind of putting your arms around something and uh, and just feeling that affection uh, or it could even be just you know writing a letter of love to someone a love and gratitude you know i mean it's it's spending that beautiful emotion which really um fills you up so there's so many ways that you can give affection and uh, and receive affection exactly you know it, it can be physical touch obviously um but it could be it's more physical touch but non non-sexual physical touch so to speak a real uh, example and an exhibition of caring and again whether it's doing something for someone cooking a special meal for a spouse uh, spending time uh, with a certain person who may be going through a period of loneliness or grief but it's letting someone else feel cared about and you actually showing care for someone and it is a, a very rewarding experience and something that most people need on a fairly regular yes. basis. Yeah, I mean, it's it's simple. I mean, we, you know, 
when you look at a child, you know, they, they grow so much better when they've been in your arms. And, you know, sometimes a child would be middle of playing or doing something could just come over, have a quick hug. That's all they need. And back they go. And it's it's kind of a fueling up and, and you feel great for giving the hug and they definitely feel better for receiving one. So in whatever way you want, I mean, people get so afraid to show affection, don't they? Oh, I don't want the person to get the wrong idea. Well, affection is kindness, folks, and there should never be a wrong idea in that. It's a win-win situation yeah. for the giver and the receiver, usually all the time. Yeah. Now, here's one that I have to admit I'm guilty of declutter. I'm a clutterer. Um, I'm, you know, I'm that uh, green personality in true colors uh, where um, organized chaos. Um, you know, I love to see things organized and filed, but I, I can't keep them that way because I work in chaos. So, but the decluttering isn't always what's around you. Very often it's what's going on upstairs, isn't it? Exactly. A lot of people tend to, um, when I speak about clutter, I I'm talking more about physical clutter, but what it does to you emotionally and what it does to you mentally, it has an impact. Uh, a lot of people feel overwhelmed. They they know they have a lot of things to do, and they look around them and they think, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. And they start to feel overwhelmed before they even begin the process. <clears throat> Excuse me. With that being said, it makes it difficult for them to then participate in other areas of their life in a relaxed state because they're always playing that over in their head, oh, I should be home maybe taking care of this or tending to that or doing this. So I I suggest that people start a process, pick an area, devote a certain amount of time, and start to declutter. And when they start to clear out their physical space, believe it or not, a lot of emotional and spiritual uh, junk starts to get cleared out also in the process. So it's very rewarding in a physical sense. It makes your space a lot easier to manage. Um, you can get through your daily chores, I think, a little bit faster. I I used to spend more time moving all of the uh, sentimental pieces I had around, took more time to move those things than it did to actually clean. And when I packed up to move a couple of years ago, I had uh, many, many decades of accumulation of my personal things, and I was going through my parents' things and packed a lot of stuff up, got rid of it, <clears throat> and now I live very, very simply. You know, I have a few things out, but, you know, I, I want to do things that are quick, easy, so that I can relax and enjoy my life a little bit more, and um, keeping my space less cluttered also keeps my internal clutter down to a minimum yeah it's kind of understanding why you have the stuff around you isn't it you know if it is something that um you know the visuals of it please you you know if you're looking at it and going you still get pleasure in looking at that then it's obviously serving a purpose but if it is like uh you've suddenly cast your eyes on it oh i forgot i had that but it's been there for the last six years you know maybe it's time it could go um, so it's it's kind of paying attention to to what your feelings are as to what the attachment is to the stuff around you, and there's so much stuff that we can let go of that we just hold on to, uh, that we no longer have any feelings for. Right. There's a lot of sentimentality attached to to items and belongings, and I understand that. And I'm 
Well, I will say I was a much more sentimental person in the past, and I still am to, to a major extent. But I'm also someone who feels that we all, many of us have so much more than what we really want to have around us or need. And I thought about all of the possessions that I had. Um, I had 37 serving bowls. I counted them. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I said, I don't ever remember the last time I had 37 side dishes on the table or I had 37 bowls of leftovers. So I consolidated and, again, started donating um, because someone else could use them. Yeah. Uh, some of the sentimentality were wrapped away in boxes, never seen. Uh, with today's cell phones and all the availability, we have to take a lot of photos of everything. I took a lot of photographs and was able to donate usable items, but I still have the memory of them and kept what was really, really important to me and what really mattered, but felt good about being able to share my excess with whomever would be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I have three grown kids and, uh, you know, as they get their homes and they're building their homes, all these things that I've accumulated, you know, a, a lot of antiques and stuff, it's so good now to pass it on and see them incorporated in their homes. Um, and, uh, you know, they're now setting up their domain and it's a, it's a nice thing to do, passing it on and giving yeah. somebody else that chance to kind of, you know, enjoy it and uh, build to their own home. So um, it's kind of a different form of hug, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, the big one, exercise, physical activity. Um, in a game, we end up like the Tin Man if we don't move. We, we do physically have to move, not just for the body, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, everything, don't we? Yes, um, but I do find many people will participate in a physical activity that they absolutely hate. Yeah. And that's where a lot of problem comes in. You know, if someone does not like going to a gym or uh, participating in a, um, an aerobics class or those types of activities, they're going to get stressed out. They're not going to want to do it. It starts to become a burden. So I always advise my clients or anybody that I speak with is to first determine what it is that you really enjoy doing. What would you look forward to doing, whether it's a competitive sport some people absolutely love the gym, and if that's the case, pick that and do it. Um, some people, like I said, just prefer to walk. Some people like to dance. Where uh, some people like enjoy you? yoga, Mar yes, like me, <laughs> the yoga, <dancer>. martial <laughs> art. Yes, yes, yes. My my ballroom dancing days. Um, but like I said, the first thing is to determine what is it that I absolutely love to do, because then you'll do it. Second thing is, am I able to do it? Because many people have something in their head that they would enjoy doing, but their bodies may not cooperate for whatever reason. Um, but if what you like to do, you're still able to do it, then start doing it when you can. But a lot of times people will make a commitment, the, the big New Year's resolution, yes. oh, I'm going to do this. And, you know, they'll go to the gym five days a week or six days a week for the first six weeks. And they try to literally almost incorporate a part-time job as far as uh, time commitment goes. And after about six weeks, they're not able to maintain that. And then they'll miss one time, and they start to feel like a failure. And then by March, all the uh, fitness centers are pretty much empty because people made the commitment. They wanted to do it 
but they overwhelmed themselves with what they thought they were going to do and how often. So I always say find something you like to do, pick a reasonable amount of time. Most people can maintain a twice a week or once a week physical activity for the most part. But if you miss that one particular day, you have six other days that week to sort of catch up. Or if you miss one of your two days, you have other days to fall back on because life gets in the way sometimes. So if you stay physically active doing something that you love, you're apt to do it more often. Um, You create less stress hormones. The other thing that many people will start to build up a lot of stress and anxiety about doing a physical activity that they hate and then they're pumping out all these stress hormones, which are basically laying down fat in the body, so they're defeating their purpose right, to right. exercise anyway. Yeah. So again, you know, find something that you love, find the way to do it if you can still do it, and then participate in it. I mean, sometimes it could be as simple as, you know, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Um, mm-hmm. Walk to the store to go and pick up a loaf of bread instead of driving. Um, right. You know, uh, you're, you're feeling a little stressed or you're feeling a little tired, uh, just go and take a walk around the block. Um, you know, get out in nature. I mean, nature is a wonderful way. It's uh, Not only are you walking, uh, you're in tune with nature and all the vibration that's out there. It's so calming, so peaceful. And you'll come back physically rejuvenated, mentally rejuvenated, spiritually rejuvenated, energetically rejuvenated. So it's sometimes... Um, you know, all these things that you sign up for when really quite simply it could be go ride a bike, go take a walk in nature. Um, maybe you know somebody who has a dog and they can't walk them that much and offer to give them a walk. You're taking a friend out who's enjoying that walk. You're going to enjoy that walk because they're going to enjoy that walk. You've incorporated the exercise, the fresh air, the everything else, and you've done a service for someone else. So exactly. there's so many ways that we can do things, aren't there, that you know, don't require a gym membership or doing something you don't like to do. And sometimes we have to try different things until you find out, oh, no, this is what I like to do. I'm going to do this more often. Um, but if you don't try it, you're not going to know. And a lot of people don't realize how much physical activity really does improve mood. Um, yes. Or d- d- I use the term depression very carefully. It's not a cure for depression, and nor do, am I promoting, you know, don't take your medications, just go out and, and walk or whatever. But it really does improve uh, your mood, your the flow of endorphins in the body. One of the other chapters in my book is nature, and I do promote uh, the benefits of communing with nature. All these things are really such powerful enhancers not only for our physical well-being, but a lot of times for our emotional and mental um, improvement also. And you have no idea how much communication is going on. Those rustle of the leaves isn't just the wind blowing in them. They're talking to you. And you may not be able to intellectually understand, but believe me, on a cellular level, you're getting the message. Um, So, you know, nature is a beautiful thing. And uh, just pay attention. Don't walk with your head down. You know, pay attention to what's around you, and then it's it's not just giving you the exercise, it's feeding all of your senses as well. So let's look at the prayer and the meditation. And, of course, this is different for so many people. You know, um, I always joke that, you know, if I got cross-legged on the ground, you'd take a crane to get me back up again. I'm just not that kind of meditator. Um, it's finding, again, that place where you 
feel at peace, feel a sanctuary, isn't it, where you can speak to that divine energy and invite it in. So it's not about religion, it's about a place of peace. Exactly. It's a communication between you and, well, God for me, um, Mm -hmm. your higher consciousness, uh, your spiritual higher self, but it's a moment to literally sort of turn everything else off, breathe in deeply, and quietly listen. And a lot of times during the process of whether someone would call it prayer or meditation, it really is about allowing your mind and your heart and your spirit to be receptive to thoughts, answers, um, solutions to problems. They can come in those quiet moments when you allow yourself to disconnect from everything else and focus on the inner and connect with that energy. Mm. I always um, call it the, the place of knowingness. It's when the, the, the divine intellect speaks to your soul that then resonates with your heart in compassion and understanding. And it goes to your spirit into action and then your mind knows what it needs to know at the time it needs to know it. And, right. you, and you are at one with that knowledge. And you don't get that when you are too busy in the head. You only get that when you are connected to soul, heart, spirit and mind. Um, and, there, and there is such a sense of peace in that, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, you know, there are so many health studies that have been done that says just these simple acts of, you know, quiet prayer or meditation or sitting uh, for a time period in, in moments of peace, people's heart rate slows, they can improve their blood pressure. Um, a lot of the very successful people have made it a habit of doing either a morning or some type of morning prayer or meditation period, and it does it. It, it improves their focus. Um, it can help with decision-making. It can help with answers. Um, when the energy around, we're, we're bombarded with so much energy from all of the uh, computers and the cell phones, it, it's sort of like this chaos that's going on in our nervous systems And like I said, sometimes when we disconnect from everything and we allow things to quiet down, all that noise that blocks out solutions to our problems or feelings of bliss, uh, feelings of peace, we're able to get to that point, to get to those answers. So it's a wonderful practice. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I do literally. I mean, every morning I I pray. Uh, I have to have that time with with me and, and God, and, and that's what sort of sets the tone for mm-hmm. my day. Um, every day it's different. Sometimes I think uh, <laughs> God's tired of hearing from me, but the bottom line is I, you know, I, I still do it, and, and that's, that's the way I start my day, and it really does make a difference. Right. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is it's take a breath, isn't it? You know, the, those, you know what, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, or whether it's just, you know, that moment that breathing is so important of taking a breath breathing deeply it calms you down it takes things in it uh, I- you know it f- forms a wonderful balance within you and um if we prayed and meditated in breath you know i think we would uh, open up those channels even more i agree i agree 
Now I'm going to mix two chapters together here because I think they go together. One is detoxification, the other one is nutritional supplements. And people think, okay, I'm just going to go and buy a nutritional supplement. Why isn't it working? Well, it's because you're still toxifying your body. And in order for a nutrient to come in and replenish the body, you have to detox basically all the crap in the body so that the, the nutrients can get to work. And people don't really understand that. Actually, they don't. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people are uh, doing things, taking supplements that maybe they shouldn't be taking. And... Um, they're maybe starting to have some negative effects, then they're taking more supplements and they're taking more supplements and it's almost sort of like people that wind up taking multiple medications to off-balance some of the side effects of the medications they need to take. I'm a big proponent of detoxifications and in my practice, I do targeted specific ones, uh, whether it be um, candida and yeast overgrowth, environmental and chemical toxins, parasites, heavy metal, um, and then uh, also, too, a lot of times I go after food sensitivities. I have my clients tested because food, one man's food is another man's poison mm -hmm. in, in some respects, and a lot of times that can create some chronic inflammation and uh, inability for the body to absorb nutrients, et cetera. So, again, I'm, I'm a big proponent of get the junk out of your body, get your organs operating efficiently. But on another note, a lot of people... We'll see someone, oh, they've done this detox. Well, I'm going to go and get the same thing, and I'm going to do it. And they might have a negative response to it. But I've seen a lot of times with my clients when I review their blood work before we even start to, uh, you know, start to do any of the processes, I make sure that their body is going to be able to handle a detox because sometimes it's too fast and furious for people. Uh, sometimes people's organs are not operating efficiently. And a detox is the worst thing that they can do. So I make sure that it's appropriate for them. Um, I pick the ones that are appropriate for them to do in the order that it's appropriate for them to do. And not everybody needs to do everything. And some people need them all in order to get truly beneficial. I believe in nutritional supplements a lot. Um, I do take them. But I feel this way. If someone needs nutritional supplements every single day, then you haven't addressed what the underlying causes are because supplements should be supplements. Put a little bit in here and there for different things when you need it or for a period of time when you need it. But if you're surviving every day, taking a handful of supplements, and I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person when I first started in mm -hmm. this industry many years ago, I was taking a lot of supplements, but it got to the point where, you know, this is this is a bit extreme and, you know, why, why do I need to take so many? And of course, in further educating and learning and, and things like that and learning about all the detoxes and stuff and having done them, it makes a, a very big difference um, as far as what each person needs. I try to encourage my clients to eat a diet unique for them that's anti-inflammatory where their system is primed to absorb the nutrients that they can absorb and to utilize them, you know, the nutrients from their food effectively and then throw some supplements in here and there right some people have health issues that they are what they are and they need what they need and like I said I don't I don't knock that for anybody it's really unique to the individual um, another thing that's really important too you may have a friend who uses a particular supplement for a particular complaint 
um, but somebody can have a complaint and that's not their underlying cause. Yes. I like yes. to use uh, migraine headaches. Sometimes it's coming from a toxin in the system or inefficient, I mean, insufficient B vitamins or low magnesium or some other type of uh, heavy metal toxin or food sensitivity. So someone might be using this supplement and getting relief and the other person doesn't understand why it's not working for them. The brand that people buy too is very important. Uh, efficacy is, is yeah. Yeah. the most important thing. You know, people will be buying supplements from online retailers or catalog books, etc. And I know people are trying to save money. I understand that. But if you're taking something that really doesn't contain what it says it contains, yeah. or it's not enough for you, or it's too much. I've had some clients that took a little bit of something, felt great, and said, oh, okay, well, if some is good, then more will make me yeah. feel better. Yeah. They threw their body out of balance on the right. other end. Yeah, exactly. You need to know what you're taking. You need to know what's uh, the balance. Yeah. Um, do your research or work with somebody that that can understand and help guide you right. through it. Yeah, and the body also will only you know, uh, absorb what it can absorb. I mean, I remember... Um, talking to a porta potty guy one time, and he's saying the amount of uh, centrum they flush out in the porta potties because they don't dissolve in the body; they just go right through. So you've got to make sure that whatever you're taking is actually the body can absorb. So well, that's why whole food, whole food vitamins yeah. and supplements is important. The synthetic stuff—that's true. The body can't utilize um, something that's in synthetic or basically plastic. Yeah. You know, and, and yes, it is going to get sloshed out because the body doesn't recognize it. So, I mean, there's so many things I want to hit on here, but one of the things is candida. I mean, mm -hmm. the amount of people that have candida and don't know it, and they don't realize that it really, it's like when your computer goes slow, um, mm -hmm. either overload or a virus, you know, that's the candida, isn't it? It can affect arthritis, fibromyalgia, it can affect so much in your body. And, uh, you know, and really we need to have a regular candida cleanse. Yes, that's one of the, the bigger things that I find with most of my clients. In fact, on my website, and your listeners are welcome to go in and open up, you know, take the test themselves. And um, if, it's, uh, if they score higher than 40 as a male, there's probably an issue. And if they score higher than 60 as a female, there's probably an issue. Uh, I've had scores as high as 3, 4, 5, and even one person in the 600 range. And the, the problem today is, unfortunately, over the years, uh, many of us have taken antibiotics for illnesses mm -hmm. necessary. Steroids, big prescriptions for steroids today. Again, if it's needed, you have to do what you have to do, but it does disrupt the uh, gut flora and the good and bad bacteria in our system. Women that have taken birth control pills, it's another thing that sort of disrupts our uh, gut microflora, and with that comes decrease in serotonin production, which is one of the neurotransmitters in our brain that makes us happy and improves our mood, which is why a lot of people wind up on some of these selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, and again, not knocking any medications, you have to do what you have to do. But when you do a candida detox and you get rid of that uh, excess imbalance. You never get rid of all of it. You have to have some. It does serve a function in your body. But when you get it back to a balance that's appropriate and you notice that your energy improves, people lose tremendous amounts of weight. Uh, their 
brain starts to function better, their uh, cognition is good, their focus is better, aches and pains go away. I've seen uh, clients with uh, years of restless leg syndrome and uh, chronic reflux, so many illnesses and issues and health problems actually completely disappear when they get rid of this excess microorganism in their system because it disrupts hormone flow, it creates chronic inflammation, um, it creates lack of energy. So there's so many things connected to it and so many people have it, aside from the medications that we've taken, high processed carbohydrate diets Mm -hmm. also contribute to it. So you throw all that in. This is our uh, health history with our medication history. This is our lifestyle and diet and then little to no exercise. And it's very easy to see why so many people have this problem. So I work with my clients with a uh, specific detox, and I give them a guideline for certain foods to incorporate and certain foods to avoid during the process to get things back in balance. And then based on their choices going forward in their lifestyle or a health crisis where they might need a medication to get them through that crisis, if they need to repeat it in the future in their lifetime, they have the option to do so. Right. And, you know, I highly recommend people really get tested for that because, you know, you're, you're working on slow and you don't know why. And I would say nine times out of ten it's probably the candida. Uh, it's something that's so misunderstood. Now, um, Himalayan salt lamps, um, I actually have one, and you're a real huge advocate of them. Yes. They tend to change the... Uh, ions in the atmosphere. It's when you when you have Himalayan salt lamps in your environment. I don't know if you or if your listeners are aware of if they've ever walked outside after you know a, a rainstorm with um, thunder and lightning, and there's that sort of fresh sensation in the air, and that actually is the change of of um, Uh, positive and negative ions. So by having Himalayan salt lamps in your atmosphere, it keeps the atmosphere more like that right after a rainstorm kind of uh, sensation. And I have um, several of them throughout the rooms where I live, but I really do notice a difference. In fact, in my, I do all of my work uh, by phone now, but previously when I had a physical office, I was um, next door to a radiology and MRI um, uh, office, and I had gotten some salt lamps and put them around my office, and when clients were coming in that had been there before, they were like, it feels so different in here. Like I don't know, something feels... And I would say, yeah, you know, I have the salt lamp. I don't sense that electronic chaos as much as I used to. So they really do make an, um, an impact. I actually have one in my bedroom, but maybe I should move it to my office. Um, because, you know, I'm actually finding my night, I, you know, that's when my channels open up and it's been hyperactivity <laughs> lately, mm-hmm. so maybe I should move it to my office instead. Or just get another one and keep one in your bedroom and keep one in your office, yeah. whatever yeah. whatever yeah. feels best for you. You know, test it, take it yeah. out of your bedroom, put it in the office, see if things work better for you. and. If you miss it in your bedroom, you just get another one. Right, exactly. Now, um, we've got so many more chapters here, but in so little time. But I want to hit on yeah. a big one here. Responsibility. Um, yeah. You know, it's, 
I'm always saying to people, we have to take ownership of our own choices. We have to take responsibility. We can't keep pointing the finger at everybody else. Um, if we want our lives to be better, it's our choice. What are we going to do about it? And we really have to step into that, don't we? Well, this actually, of all the chapters that are in the book, um, this is my actual favorite. And I think it's one of the most important ones. When I give lectures and presentations and talks to groups of people, there's normally question and answer period at the end of the session. And invariably, someone's going to raise their hand and they will ask, you know, what's the most important thing to take? And I keep waiting for that question now and I smile and I always say responsibility and they're quite surprised because they're thinking the most important thing to take is going to be a vitamin or a mm -hmm. nutrient. A nutritional supplement but in all areas of one's life um, the only person who can fix our broken is us yes and I wholly believe that you are not responsible for how you got where you are in many instances people's lives are what they are circumstances arise difficulties come up but there's a point in your life where you say this is where I am I'm not responsible for how I got here, but I am responsible for where I choose to go in the future. And the fact that, like I said, the only person who can fix our broken, uh, not that we wouldn't need support from other people maybe or different things, but you still first have to acknowledge that you need to participate in your health and well-being and in your healing. And when you accept that responsibility, a lot of times that's when people really start to move forward. A lot of people don't like the way they feel. They complain. They, as we know, blame everybody else. Mm -hmm. But until they actually say, well, this is not going to stop or it's not going to change or I'm not going to feel better until I own what I'm doing to myself or not doing for myself. And when I take responsibility for that, that's when I can start to really improve my life and, and uh, yeah. well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I recently did a show in reaction to Michelle Obama's reaction to um, what I call Pussygate. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a danger of kind of setting women back, you know, 50 years or so. And, you know, my basically my thing was is you don't build a wall around you, but you do have a barrier. And that barrier is a frequency. And it says to, you know, because um, I was talking about being a woman, it says to the men, if you wish to treat me in this frequency, at this value, valuing, you know, my vibration, then I am, my doors are open. But if you wish to bring me down to yours, it's not going to happen. And this is, as women, what we have to do. The responsibility of the way we're treated lies with us and what we allow. If we don't allow it, then they're not going to do it. So you know how we get treated in the world there's a lot to do with how we treat ourselves and that vibration that we set out absolutely i advise most of my clients that don't understand about setting boundaries they they have extreme feelings of guilt in saying no um they will sometimes hold on to an illness because it's mm -hmm. an excuse to not have to do certain things or go certain places or, or participate in certain things. Or they like the sympathy. And, yeah, and I remind people, you know, that it's okay to say no. It's okay to set a boundary. That's one of the healthiest things that you can do. Mm -hmm. And again, it's taking responsibility for what's acceptable for me, what's not acceptable. 
um, what do I choose to do, what do I not choose to do, but not blame anybody else unless you're doing all that you can do. If you're doing all that you can do and not getting good results, then that needs to be evaluated too. I mean, it's not snap my fingers, oh, I'm going to eat better today and I can walk out tomorrow and do that for the rest of my life. I understand that there are a lot of things that people uh, need to put into play when they do take responsibility to change everything that's going on for them. But if you're doing the best that you can possibly do, set the boundaries that need to be set and own what you and you alone can do for yourself, then we're all in a much better place than we were the day before we didn't do this. And understand it's a process. It might just be simply one foot in front of the other. Stop trying to leap, right? I absolutely agree. There's a lot of times people are going to be on that path. They're walking forward. And there's that speed bump. And you can decide, can I hurdle this? Do I need to go to the right of it? Do I need to go to the left of it? You know, decisions and choices come up all the time. But as long as your vision and your focus is, where do I want to wind up? And if you understand that if I do this, I get closer to where I'm trying to get. If I go this way, I will go further away from that vision or that goal. If I go this way, I'm going to maybe backtrack a little bit. So the point is keep your end result in mind. What is it that you're looking to do? What is it that you're looking to achieve? And then just do the best you can moving forward. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of obstacles and circumstances (laughs) and bumps that are going to come up. And we should not get um, despondent feel like failures yeah. or and, and again you know that's why this book is, is so good in so many ways because many people do feel like I said completely overwhelmed they cannot do more than one thing at a time find something that works for you make it easy pick something that's easy incorporate it and just keep doing it and get into the rhythm of it and get into the flow of it and find other things when it's appropriate for you um Another great book that that I I love the uh, Four Agreements. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yes. 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 And the Fourth Agreement, my favorite. You know, uh, do your best every day, but understand from time to time your best changes. And that was a very enlightening uh, agreement for me to read. It's one of my favorites. It's how I live my life. And when I settle down at the end of the day and I say, you know, could I have done better today? Some days I can answer yes. But when I ask myself, but did I do the best I could do based on my circumstances for today, more often than not, I can say yes to, and I sleep peacefully yeah. because of it. I love the yeah. um, the one, you know, uh, don't assume. You know, for me, it's that yes. we, we're such an assumptionist, and from that mm-hmm. comes judgment. And uh, you have no understanding until you ask. So, exactly. you know, ask and get the whole picture before you go and pass judgment. And that uh, those four agreements are something I live by. I refer to them a great deal, and they are absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Simple codes of life, absolutely wonderful. Now, stepping outside of your comfort zone. Now, this is, uh, you know, in my practice, when I, when I used to have my practice, um, the hardest thing was, was getting people to step outside. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm afraid. Well, I've never done that before. Well, that's the point. You haven't done it before. Look where you are. You're discontent with your life. Maybe you need to try something different, and you have no idea how good you could be at it until you try. And if you're not good at it, you've learned something from it that you can apply to the next try. 
Exactly. Um, one of the examples that I use for myself personally, and in fact, it's actually what you and I are doing. Um, it's always been very difficult for me to give a talk, give a presentation, uh, do an interview, et cetera. And I literally would shake in my shoes. Um, I had considered taking a, a public speaking class, but I was so overwhelmed by the fear of actually having to get up in front of a class and give a speech that I could not even sign up for a class to do what I needed to do. But I knew that if I wasn't able to get past my discomfort with speaking or uh, talking to people under different types of, um, like I said, events, lectures, presentations, interviews, etc., that my message would be less heard and more stifled um, from a lot of other people. So I've consistently kept pushing myself outside of that comfort zone. And do I still get nervous? Yes. Did I clear my throat about 20 times before you <laughs> called me? Yes. Me too. You heard me before I started, you know, always. Mm -hmm. But, always. you know, but the thing is, you know, you, you take that little bit of a risk and yeah. you try something a little bit different. And again, it's different for everybody. You know, some people have such an incredible uh, talent and they're afraid to start their own business mm -hmm. or go out there and do whatever it is that they want to do because they tell themselves, you know, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do this or not. And I work with clients in, in trying to find ways um, to incorporate something that they love or a dream or a passion while it work it into their the way that their work schedule is until they can make it a growing concern and then maybe go forward with that, whether it be a business or whatever. But I think people are, in addition to not being comfortable going outside their comfort zone, period, I believe people are as afraid of failure as they are of success. Yes. Because su success brings with it, in many ways and in many instances, higher levels of commitment, maintenance, and responsibility. And people would rather complain than um, risk being successful because they have to work that much harder to maintain that success. Yeah, and also I think a lot of it comes from your upbringing of um, whether you've been told you can or you can't. And, you know, we're so good at telling everybody what they can't do, but we're not looking at what people can do. You know, I was brought up that way, you know, never going to amount to anything. And, uh, you know, for a long time kind of that... I call it the human side of me believe that my spiritual side was on a different path altogether um when i when i was first offered to do radio shows my first show was a monty python skit everything went wrong i pressed all the wrong buttons everything went wrong i could have given up then and you know since then i've had many shows that because it's the internet have gone disastrous dropped you know, I did live shows for the first 13 months and, you know, the amount of times I left my poor guests hanging because I got cut out of the of the show, you know, because the Internet dropped or something. And the thing is, is that own it. I always say own it. If we even have a mistake during a show and we have to come back, I own it um, because it's what happens in life. And if you own it, it's how you respond to it. I think that becomes it. Right. It's like stop looking for everything to be perfect. Make it connective. If stuff happens and you can handle it, it makes people feel more comfortable than you feeling uncomfortable because something isn't perceived as perfect. Well, uh, some of the things that used to sort of make me very anxious, I was always concerned that maybe someone would ask me a question and I didn't have an answer or I didn't know. And now I'm at a point where I'm okay with, with that. If, if I know something, I will tell you what I know at that point in time. 
And if I don't know something, I am as comfortable as saying, I'm sorry, I don't know that answer, but get in touch with me in a few days and I will see what I can come up right. with, you know, right. when you're on that stage and you're in the middle of that spotlight. Um, but like I said, I, I um, yeah, getting outside of my comfort zone, I'm a very shy person. I always have been. I'm more comfortable behind the scenes and and that type of persona. But unfortunately, I have to put myself out there because I'm trying to put my message out there. Exactly. So, yeah, so sometimes we, we have to look at the greater good, right? I'm, I'm an introverted expert. Uh, exp- um, um, uh, not expert. Um, Extrovert. No, thank you, thank you. Suddenly, mm-hmm. words gone. Um, and you know, people think that I'm very extroverted, but no, it's, it comes from my introvertedness. Believe it or not, um, I am actually incredibly shy. <laughs> um, but you know, you find that place where you where you feel that you believe in, you believe your message, you believe why you do it. Um, you know, the the reason why you've pushed through your discomfort to get up there and speak is because you're following your calling, your meaningful purpose. And then that is what the audience hears. They don't hear your fear or your, or your ad, you know, ill at ease. Uh, am I speaking right? Am I looking right? Am I this or that? When you speak from your passion and you speak from your conviction and you speak from your why you're doing it, that's what people are going to hear. Yes, and that was another, uh, well, I would say, actually writing a book was another big mm-hmm. step out of my comfort zone because you put information out there and you open yourself up to reviews and criticisms, and writing is not my forte. It's an extension of things that I do, but it's not my its not my occupation, not my vocation, as I like to think mm-hmm. of my practice. Um, I write articles for, for different websites, and... I will be contributing to some other, you know, books coming up in the future. But the bottom line is you really open yourself up to criticism, especially in this day and age. But when I wrote the book, I believed, like I said, I believed so much in its very simple approach and message. And I believed that uh, the good it would do people far outweighed any bad review or slight embarrassment I would have had on my part if people really didn't receive it well. And yeah. thank God it has been received very well, so I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. But it was, it was, um, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable yeah. To, yeah. to think about doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got people nagging at me to write a book, and it's always like, well, you know, I have dyslexia, so when I write, you know, and uh, as somebody pointed out, Sarah, just get the program where you speak into it and it writes for you. You can go and edit it afterwards. Okay, I've got no excuse now. <laughs> so <laughs> I get out of my comfort zone and get out there and start writing. Now, exactly. friends, friends are very, very important, aren't they? Uh, but knowing what to expect from a friend. You know, very often we think a friend is, is um, defined by that they must be there for you uh, with the answers in everything in your life and, and friends each one of them I have some excellent friends but no one of them is the same relationship to me as the other um, and it's understanding what kind of friends that you have you know the mentor the peer friend the, the handy person friend the lifelong friend and what role that person plays in your life um, our Bill Mackey is coming up with an app that actually helps people actually understand the roles that people play in your life uh, by the, you know, by the personality trait there. So it's, it's actually knowing what role that person plays in your life and what you play in their life, um, because that's the foundation of that friendship, isn't it? Yes, and, you know, it, it's really important to have 
friends, different types of friends that pretty much fulfill all of those things. You know, you do need somebody who's sort of your story keeper, your lifelong friend. Um, they know everything about you. They know what you've been through. You know everything about them, what they've been through. There's a, a relationship there that is very dear and very precious that maybe someone that you connect with later on in life that's a, a colleague that understands you, you know, same peer or um, maybe, a, you know, a friend that your children's fr- um, parents and, I'm sorry, your children's friends' parents. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but they don't know your whole life story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, somebody that, you know, is your mentor that you can go to, that you look up to. It doesn't even have to be anybody that's um, older than you or, you know, just be somebody who's really got it on the ball and you've always gone to them for advice. Um, people that can, you know, help you fix anything. Uh, eh, I've got this going on, you know, what, what should I do? And then, you know, the, the, the ones that are a little bit, different than what you are I call them the wild thing friends that are mm-hmm. they push you a little bit again outside of your comfort zone to be a little bit more spontaneous but certainly not to risk your life um, and and like I said I, I think that having all roles filled in yeah. our friendships um, is important I, I love to say you know I have my posse and I absolutely love them and they know who they are and they all bring a different element yeah. to our friendships, and I, I'm so blessed to have them. I really am. Yeah, it's very rare you're going to get somebody that k- ticks all of the boxes. And, very uh, you know, very and few. But it's nice. It's rather, you know, like the smoker's board. It's nice to have the different, you know, spices on the plate because, you know, it keeps yes. life interesting, which now goes to the next chapter of learn something new. Now, we know that many people that retire, that don't have a hobby, that don't do anything, die very early because they're just not engaging their mind. And we're seeing Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, a great deal, which also is quite a lot to do with diet. But it's also um, the stagnancy. You know, our minds are constantly wanting to learn. It needs data. Give me something. And and those that, uh, I mean, the amount of people, I'm in my 60s, I'm 62. The amount of people like myself that have restarted a career 50 plus, um, you know, and doing what they love to do, it just, it keeps us, it gives us a reason to live. Um, so we really do have to step out of that comfort zone and try something new, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, some of the, you know, again, some, there are physical benefits, literally physiological benefits from learning something new. You create more synapses in your brain. Um, you encourage growth of brain cells. You know, we're constantly losing brain cells over time, but the more new material that you introduce and the more you stimulate your brain, the more brain cells and synapses and neurons and and dendrites and all of that you have sort of connecting. So physiologically, you're doing something very beneficial for your brain. Emotionally, if you're learning something new, engaging in life, you're really promoting a lot of emotional health. You're possibly giving yourself a new purpose in life. And again, all of these things add to not only longevity, but healthier longevity. Yeah. So it's important for not only mental stimulation, but physical, actual brain health, and then emotional um, improvement also. Yeah, exactly. Very, very important. Let's get to play. And, and you're an advocate of play. And, you know, and we're in a world now where everybody's on their phone. And they're playing games on their phone, and it's not an interactive play. And um, I have two kids, 
you know that are, are almost 28 and 32 um, yet they you know with their with their various partners they love to play games get out the game board and yeah. they play games and uh, you know everybody's laughing and interacting and and it's challenging and teamworks and uh, it's kind of not only using the mind it's fun camaraderie with your friends but it's constantly uh, you know engaging yourself in fun it's so great for our imaginations for mm. our creativity um, just to take a break from life in general you know sometimes just to take a step aside and relinquish all the things that we worry about all the things that we try to uh, take care of in our life all the plates spinning it's almost like a mini vacation you know it's kind of like a small respite um, in some ways because you're breaking from the stress you're breaking from the tension you're breaking from different aspects of your life and you're really having fun and enjoying yourself and when we do that again physiologically it improves our mood it improves our thought process it improves our creativity um, and it even improves, you know, our emotions and other um, feelings of, of feeling good. Um, it improves physiologically our health. It can calm down our blood pressure when we take a break and mm -hmm. actually play and enjoy ourselves. So, yeah, you know, I grew up in a time, you know, I'm in the same age group that you are. I turned 60 in May, and I still am grateful that I grew up in a time and age where it wasn't all these electronics. We really did get outside and play. We really did get outside and pretend. We really did interact with each other as opposed to a machine and yes. no interaction with other people and no chance to use our imagination. Well, this is, you know, you've got a chapter on creativity and you can't be creative if something is constantly dictating what you do. Uh, creativity comes from imagination, from exploration, from being adventurous, from wanting to get out and play. So all of that is really incorporated under one umbrella, isn't it? Um, yes, for the most part. I mean, again, you know, all these things can sort of feed back into other, all these tips can actually feed back into other tips. But I will say, again, some people don't understand the individual nuance of maybe allowing yourself to be creative the healing benefit that it might have mm -hmm. on you either physically, um, uh, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually when you do get that chance to create something from nothing um, or to work on writing music, uh, poetry, uh, designing something. You know, all of this is really um, more beneficial in so many ways and people just don't give it that much credit. Right. But when you're aware of it as a specific tip a specific aspect people will be more I think apt to do those things just because they know what the benefits are going to be when they engage. Now of course another one which we all need and of course I think women are not very good at this especially mothers and things like that because you know they're trying to be superwoman but is that big word pamper pamper yourself it's really needed isn't it as a rejuvenator. I find it very sad in this day and age that so many people will not allow themselves to have pampered moments in their life mm -hmm. and I say it from a place you know it does pampering really is supposed to be something that's over the top and excessive and um, people think luxury vacations and spas and all that kind of stuff but for me sometimes just 
I've used the, the analogy before, you know, a young mother with a couple of children, just to get in the shower and not be interrupted sometimes is a pampered experience <laughs> for her. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have to sort of look at it from that perspective. Um, some people, again, they're not going to feel pampered unless they are on that big vacation cruise. But some people are just happy, like I said, to have 15 minutes. A moment minutes to themselves. themselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you have to find what works for you and find ways to allow that into your life as often as possible. But here's the big clincher to do it without feeling guilty. Well, this is where friends can come in, isn't it? This is where you support yes. one another. You know, I had I have a wonderful friend to this day. We met when um, I gave birth to my second child, and she had a, a first child at the same age. And uh, we've each had three children, and, and she's auntie to my kids, and the kids are cousins. You know, they, they're still to this day, you know, best, best friends. And yes. um, what we would do is, you know, I would take her three for the weekend, and she would take my three for a weekend, and... And we would just give each other a break. And that's where friendship comes in. It's like, you know, somebody's burnt out, needs a little time to themselves, and they might not go anywhere. It just might be giving them a night at home to just chill and relax and not have to worry or go out on a date with the husband. You know, this is where friendship steps in. I think, again, in this day and age, only because so many people are so busy, that doesn't happen as much. I know that that's the way that we grew up, mm-hmm. neighbor, you know, we would go to a neighbor's house and, you know, maybe my mom would get a couple hours break to do whatever and vice versa. Um, there are uh, groups of people, again, that understand that and they do help support each other, but a lot of people don't have that opportunity and it really does make a difference. Yeah, it really does. Makes Creative, it, yeah. make it happen. Yeah. Now, yeah. you've got another one here, positive thinking, and I have... Um, um, a, a saying on my uh, company's thing, the art of positive living, and it is positive thinking equals positive living. And we can't live positively until our thoughts decide or choose the path, path of posi- positive thinking. Positive thinking doesn't mean you're thinking positive and it's all going to manifest, but it's the vibration and the platform in which you're going to invite things to happen. Well, I love your saying. I think it's great. And, um, Absolutely. The, the research scientists, some of the quantum uh, physicists are saying that technically our thoughts create our reality. So if you're walking around uh, visualizing, thinking, and feeling that specific negative things are going to happen, law of attraction, law of energy attraction, sometimes you attract those things to you. If you change your thoughts and project out positive thoughts looking for a good outcome or something better to happen or uh, something specifically good to manifest, if that's what your thought and projection is, more often than not, you will get that. And in this day and age, I think we need that more than we ever have before um, to focus on, again, a good outcome or something positive down the road, something positive in our future, because if we don't, then we will pull to us negative experiences, negative people, um, 
negative situations, yeah. It's, it's yeah. again going back to that boundary, isn't it? Be the frequency in which do you want to receive people and have people treat you. So exactly. that positive vibration, you know, used my music for the shows used to be good vibrations. Um, be that vibration in which you want to resonate and invite other people. If you're going to go negative, that's what you're going to get. So stay in the positive zone. Uh, your other yeah. chapter is um, commit to change. And, you know, I've got another saying is find something to believe in act on that belief and commit to that action. If you're not going to commit to that change, nothing is going to happen favorably for you. Right. This this is sort of a follow-up. You know, if, if responsibility is the headline, commit to change is sort of the <laughs> yeah. subtitle. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, okay, I'm going to be responsible for what's going to happen in my life, how I'm going to take care of myself. But then you have to make that commitment and you have to do it. And if you're not committed to doing it, acknowledging what you need to do is wonderful, but without action, yeah. knowledge is not going to fix some of the problems. No. So like I said, it really does come into play as sort of a subset of that, uh, of that responsibility yeah. chapter. Yeah. Now another one, a big one, and I know it's a really big one for a lot of people, forgiveness. Uh, we hold on to that resentment. And again, those four agreements could come in very well on this. But we hold on to resentment. Somebody's hurt us. But we've got to understand the onus of them hurting us is on them. The allowing us to be hurt because we didn't set that boundary in place is on us. What are we going to do about it now? And if we don't forgive, it's going to eat us up. And very often, we have to forgive ourselves first before we can forgive anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the big chapters, like I said so many times, people beat themselves up um, or people will just remain so angry. And I've always um, enjoyed the saying, uh, staying angry at someone is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. It affects us physiologically. Um, anger, big component. If anybody is, is in tune with you know energy type medicine and energetic and spiritual causes of health issues but there's a lot that has been stated in the connection between anger resentment and cancers yes um you know forgiving others forgiving yourself most people as we know second agreement they're in operation whatever they do it's don't take it personally they're doing something because that's what's going on for them we might take it personally have i ever been hurt in my life absolutely i get angry in a moment sometimes but i do not allow myself to stay there i choose to let it go i don't have to forget it i don't have to allow it again i might put a boundary yes. for yes. a particular person or a particular a chance for that particular situation to arise again but I will not allow someone to make me remain angry because if they've done something that's already hurt me, I will not give them any more and continue to re-victimize myself. I just let it go. And people, unfortunately, sometimes hold a grudge so badly, they need to let that go. They need to release it. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that the person... Um, deserves your forgiveness even you're forgiving people because that's what's best for you yeah and that falls a lot into that kindness isn't it you know in order to yes. give kindness to other people sometimes you have to be kind to yourself and that is 
forgiving and letting go because it's loving you and you you can't invite love and you can't give out love if you're in a in a state of you know pain so that forgiveness releases that pain so be kind to you so you can be kind to others now you have another chapter here which i totally agree with read and i see you're a harry potter fan you're dying to see the new movie mm-hmm. <laughs> yes i can't wait to see that um you know reading is is a way of um taking you on a journey i always find um reading there'll be something in the book that is a message i need in my life in my moment in time but i'm just reading a novel or just reading a book so it um it parallels us in a lot of ways doesn't it by removing us from ourselves and going into some fantasy it brings us back to our reality Yes, I, I've always been an avid reader from when I was very, very, very young. My mother encouraged us to read. I, I spent more time in a library, I think, than any place else in my youth. And again, you know, reading, I can read knowledge for my profession. You know, I, I get more information. But I can read, you know, a thriller, and I can sort of work my brain in that direction, exercise that part of my brain. I can read something where I'm escaping whatever my reality happens to be in that moment and traveling somewhere or enjoying, you know, a period romance, etc. It gives you a chance to sort of learn the world, uh, learn more about the world and learn different things in the world just by reading. Um, it's educational, obviously. Um, it's good exercise for the brain. So there, there are really many, many, many benefits of reading and um if I'm going to devote my time to reading anything, like I said, I scout out good books and I make sure it's worth my while. But um, if I didn't promote reading, then why would I even bother to write a book? So. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful way of escaping, but at the same time, finding solutions. So, yes. is it, and in a lot of ways, it's a good meditation because it takes yes. you out of your mind out of yourself and puts you somewhere else and then you can come back and you feel calmer so you know reading is a wonderful way of doing that and you know for a lot of people movies and things like that as well is great too so this is uh, the one we're going to end on find your bliss a big one isn't it so important um, there's a quote by Plato and uh, he said if the head and body are to be well, you must begin by curing the soul. And I really subscribe to that. So many people have passions and desires, and as we were talking about before, you know, vocations that they don't tap into. And it doesn't necessarily mean that this is what someone has to do for a career in their lifetime. But if we're not doing things that really bring joy to our soul or a chance to tap into those passions and, and things that we really love to do or love to experience, we really are going to cut ourselves short. I um, had a client in the earlier years of my, when I opened my practice, and she was a young woman who recently married, just had had a, a child, and she, you know, when I said to her, if you could do or be anything um, in the universe, regardless of your ability to... Um, your intellectual ability, your physical ability, or financial reward, what would it be? It's a question that I ask most of my clients. She said, oh, I've always wanted to be a backup singer in in a group. She said, but, you know, I can't now. So I asked her to explore her local um, faith-based 
institutions, and uh, she was able to join a choir. And interestingly enough, this choir was actually very popular, and they got an opportunity to do a lot of uh, tours and make CDs, and, and she was able to live something that brought bliss to her soul, yes. never leaving her family, never walking, you know, running off and right. joining the circus. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's important to first figure out, you know, what actually, what really brings me joy? And then is there a way that I can either do it for a living or that I can incorporate it into my life that I get that experience on a regular basis? And the more joy and more bliss that you're in, the more you exude out that to everyone else, you become that resonance that people are drawn to. You're living yes. in, in, you know, the love of life, the love of self, the love of what, you, what you're doing. And that just I- is an invitation because it's an inspiration for others. And so yes. it's uh, never ever, you know, uh, there's selfish and there's, you know, selfish that you need to be. Uh, because unless your cup is full, unless you're abundant, what have you got to give anyone else? So be what you love, do what you love, exude what you love. And now you're part of the solution, not the problem. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do people book you for a speaking engagement, uh, for um, to be a client, etc., uh, etc., et please, love? Um, they can always go to my website. It's www.julia, J-U-L-I-A, Scalise, S-C-A-L-I-S-E dot com. They can send me an email or um, contact me by phone. My phone number is listed on the website and whatever they're interested in. Then we will discuss it, and um, I'm happy to uh, explore any opportunity. Excellent. Your book is on Amazon. The people can just click on the posting right here. It will take you straight there. I do recommend you get it. I think it would make a great Christmas gift. This is something that you can go and give a friend. In fact, give all of your friends. And just, you know, then have a little evening over a nice glass of wine, talking about what each chapter has meant to each other. Sharing is another thing that's extremely important. You know, what does it mean to me? Oh, I didn't realize that. That's a good one. This is what it meant to me. And we open up a dialogue and a communication. So I think put this on your Christmas list this year. Buy it for all of your friends. Um, have a good read. Have a good evening and, uh, and enjoy it. And just see exactly how beneficial it is for you. It's do one thing. And uh, really, life is simple, folks. It's us that overcomplicate it. And we don't need to. So, Julia, thank you. This has been absolutely wonderful. Pure delight. Thank you so very much. I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate it. And uh, keep on speaking. You're a natural. And uh, get the message out there. And thank you for writing such a beautiful, simple book that's so easy to follow. Thank you very much. And to everyone else, remember, buy it as a gift. First, gift it to yourself. It's so easy to follow. And you know what? Sometimes you've just got to go and do it. And then you'll realize what was all the fuss. Until next time, folks.